0: Big hit, Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs But they never win Two flags in 100 years that
1: shit house <laughs> Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now
2: That was two years ago, mate, get over it
0: If you think we'll be insightful Clever or just we'll be searched. We're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are Two Guys, One Cup.
1: It is Thursday, the 27th of September. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, you've been taking the pulse of Melbourne this
2: week. It's grand final week. Give me a, paint a picture for me. What's it like down there at the moment?
1: Well, here's what I'll say firstly, Charlie. I've been in Sydney for most of it. Which has been disappointing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Play on, not 15.
0: (laughs) Ball. We are two guys, one.
1: (laughs) Um, I unfortunately had a uh, personal emergency and had to make my way to Sydney for a couple of days. Uh, So I think that was probably a good thing, to be honest, Charlie, because... This morning, uh, we did a live version of our radio show that we do in the morning. And of course, Mm. I do that radio show with the president of the Collingwood Football Club. And it's fair to say, I just really had this image of when you would go to the big day out and there would be that one kid who'd like, you know, spent 120 bucks on drugs and like 50 bucks on bourbon and coke. (laughs) And he would had it all before 12 o'clock and he was passed out under the first (laughs) wheel and he was going to miss seeing corn. But like that's that's what it felt like with Eddie this morning. Like, there's this picture we took from the show because uh, Josh Gibson brought in the Premiership Cup, and uh, which is a dangerous combination, by the way, because he's an attractive-looking man, and if he keeps catching his reflection in that shiny cup, it just must distract him for half his day. But um, uh, Eddie was just staring at the cup, like, staring at it. Wouldn't touch it. Like, had all these superstitions about, like, touching the Premiership Cup, but just staring at it. Like, with this just, like... I've never seen somebody... It was like the start of an Indiana Jones film. It yeah, was like right. he wanted to like you know, put something that weighed exactly the same as the Premiership <laughs> Cup on the stand and just take it home. Eddie, what are you doing with that bag of sand? <laughs> just like... Yeah. <laughs> Eddie just gets a bag of loose change out of his pocket.
2: Well, I'm glad Eddie's excited, Will, because I've had an exciting week. Um, this has been 41 years in the making. But finally, the St Kilda Football Club have extended to me an official ambassador role.
1: Is that right?
2: Are yeah. you serious? Yep. The letter came this week. Uh, Dear Charlie. Oh my
1: God. That is the sign that they have hit rock bottom.
2: I was going to say, what, People, it's, like, what, it, what it's telling me is that Eric Banner, Shane Warren, Molly Meldrum, Jane Bunn, Steve Bedwell, were all too busy.
1: <laughs> well, they've all dropped off this season. Yeah. They just can't put themselves through the pain. They're like, who can? <laughs> I know. A guy who has a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah.
2: The uh, letter came through the mail. I sent it to my brother who's like a, a, a diehard Saints fan. And to him, it was like getting an Order of Australia. <laughs> he was so happy. As, he, as, he, uh, as my other mate Nick pointed out, he said, I'm so happy for us. <laughs> We've got those President's Lunch tickets, Family Day tickets, home game tickets. Too bad I live in Sydney.
1: I mean, I believe, Charlie, that I am an ambassador still of the uh, Western Bulldogs Football Club. Yeah, I was made one in the premiership year i assume it's just like a position that is ongoing but they haven't really tapped me on the shoulder for any ambassadorial duties since then so i wonder if like my ambassadorial reign has ended and i just am not aware of it until you mentioned you're an ambassador i was like oh that's good why can't i be an ambassador and then i was like oh yeah i am an ambassador i I forgot you
2: are an ambassador i think you are an ambassador i know up in sydney uh, because they try to, you know, they try and get as much AFL attention as they can. They hand out like Swans and GWS ambassador roles, like you know, like they are nothing. I mean, I've I've got friends who've never even watched a game who are going to Swans games just so they can eat sushi and sit in the top row. Oh
1: yeah, I'm an ambassador. Oh no, I've never seen a game. Yeah. No 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 no. I love rugby league, but yeah, no, I'm a Swans and GWS ambassador.
2: I went to a Swans game with a friend of mine who's an ambassador who spent the entire game asking me what the rules were. <laughs> Great ambassador. Imagine if that ambassador was sent to the UN. (laughs) So what are the
1: rules of this UN?
0: Yeah. It's all the nations and we're united in some way? Why are we arguing,
1: guys? It's the United Nations. Um so
2: you haven't uh, you haven't really, you've only had half a grand final week. I mean, we talked about this in the last episode, but to me, grand final week in Melbourne is the best week. It's the week where like every cafe and bar and restaurant has like some kind of flag in the window, you know, some kind of colors or, or whatever. And it just sort of feels the weather's getting warmer. There's just that sense of anticipation about the weekend.
1: Charlie, the other day on the show, and this has been, but sometimes people are like, find it weird that I do the show that i do and it, it we've talked about this before the, but this, this show more, or
2: your real job
1: my real job all oh, right and like you know the most common question that i get asked is like what's it like to work with eddie mcguire but and you know like and people kind of think that i'm anti triple m or something but the truth of it is that i really love the show and like in a week like this it's just three hours a day of reading about like i go in and i read about footy and then all we do is talk about footy and we never get through a show Where we like, there was big important stories that happened this week, and we did not cover any of them because we were crossing live to Joffa, who was in a hot air balloon flying across (laughs) the MCG. Like if there was a Melbourne version of Cluedo, one of the things would be Joffa in a hot air balloon over the MCG. What other job and city do you get to just spend five minutes of your radio show crossing to Joffa? in a helicopter, and he was being filmed for Channel 9 News at the time, for the Today Show. Joffa was on open mic, like Mike Sheen, the
2: preeminent football sports journalist in Australia who sits down and interviews like Legends
1: of the Game, basically interviewed
2: a mascot.
1: Yeah. Do you reckon Trout is just sitting at home going, that could be me one day? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I reckon Joffa's a trailblazer for the opportunities just being... The diehard fan of your club can open up to you. Yeah, like I think there's got to be other Joffers, other people who are the pre- preeminent sort of cheerleader at their club who are like, I could be the next Joffer. If we have a good finals run, I could be Joffer. You've seen them. So you've got
2: uh, at the Bulldogs, you've got um, cha- cha- you've got the guy wears the chain round his neck with the Bulldogs oh, yeah, mohawk. Yeah, okay. That's your Joffer. Yeah. The Saints okay, and, he's our Joffa. But I Sa- don't
1: know his name. I know no, no, Joffa's no, name. No,
2: no, but come on. Give them time. It's like, you know, everyone has to find their voice. These guys are all just like, you know, they're, they're launching a gimmick. At St. Kilda, there's a guy who's definitely going for the Joffa role because I've just seen his photo pop up on social media. Like people are at Saints games, like, oh, look at this guy. Because he wears a three-piece suit and top hat that's all red, white, and black. But he sort of like strolls around the ground. Like, I get the sense that... He's he's the equivalent of a social media influencer. Like he's there just to get on the ground.
1: <laughs> he's an ambassador. Yeah, he's, he's an a new ambassador. ambassador. You and him. Yeah, They're, you're the two clowns that got ambassador <laughs> roles this year. And then at Geelong, there's Catman or Catwoman. Oh, that's true.
2: Is it Catwoman or Catman? It's Cat Person. Let's say Cat Person. Yeah,
1: you know what you, you're falling for. It might what? be Catman, but um, people think that all cats are female. So, well, no. I'm falling for the fact that they're covered head to toe in makeup and dressed like a giant cat.
2: I don't. I can't yeah, tell no. what people's pets are. What what gender people's pets are on first look, either. No, I appreciate that, and you're probably not allowed to look. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Walk up the cat man, just grab him by the back of the pants and lift him up. Oh, it's a dude.
1: Uh, My call is just confirming it is Catman. Uh, but you don't see gender, Charlie, and that's a good thing. No. Um, so. Uh, okay, so St. Kilda, yeah, all right. I, I, I can actually identify that St. Kilda person now that you've mentioned them. Yeah. Catman, I know. Yeah. Um, does West Coast Eagles, do West Coast Eagles have their own joffa? Are they bringing across a joffa? Is there a Western Australian? Because you'd think. I mean, Western to. Australian fans, Eagles fans are like all joffas. Yeah. So like <laughs> exactly. to, to rise to the top of the joffas, you would be the greatest joffa of all. Well, no, I don't think West Coast are joffas. I think West Coast,
2: like if you were to sum up like, Joffa is a Collingwood supporter. You can, he looks like one. Like, he's the kind of yeah. guy you'd see walking down Smith Street asking you for change.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, if you had to draw a Collingwood supporter, you'd come <laughs> up with Joffa, even if you'd never seen Joffa. But I
2: imagine, like, the, the penultimate Eagle supporter would have that two-minute noodle hair, uh, <laughs> shark's, tooth ne- shark's tooth necklace. I would say, like, let's say they're sort of, like, mid-40s, but they dress like they're a 20-year-old surfer uh they are a surfer (laughs) let's
1: say that they (laughs) they made a lot of money in mining or some resource based industry yeah no you're right did you see that photo that came out after the melbourne game of all the guys in the rm williams boots someone had just taken a photo down their aisle of like people's feet and it was just like 12 guys wearing rm williams in a row (laughs) (laughs)
2: No, I didn't see that. Mike has just linked us to an article uh, from news.com. Delirious West Coast fans at AFL final wave signs, flags, and an inflatable sex doll. Oh,
1: okay. West
2: Coast supporters were understandably delirious after one of the most incredible wins in AFL history on Saturday night, but that doesn't explain why this Eagle fan was waving his. So when was this from? I can't see a date. September 11th last year. West Coast fans needed all the support they could get in a cauldron of 40,000 Port Adelaide supporters on Saturday night. Okay, so that was the game they won after the siren, kick after the siren last last year, uh, the final. Uh, But one Eagles fan went to extreme and possibly explicit lengths to add another number to the massively outnumbered blue-yellow portion of the Adelaide Oval crowd. Eagle-eyed fans, pardon the pun, we will not pardon that pun, boo, boo to that pun, (laughs) Eagle-eyed fans watching on TV at home spotted something unusual in the Eagles cheer squad area and things got weirder after Luke Shui pulled off one of the most incredible wins in AFL history. Lid was off for West Coast fans and so was the Eagles jumper that had preserved some level of modesty on what was revealed to be an inflatable sex doll. The bizarre sighting demonstrates an apparent security failure at the ground with a long list of prohibited items on the Adelaide Oval's website including inflatable items including beach balls, receptacles, devices, or structures. (laughs) It was a stark contrast to the last unusual item to light up social media at the footy uh, when a Melbourne fan took a cheese platter and smashed avocado to the MCG. How about that?
1: Well, I love that that article started out as if it was just they're trying to lend more support. They're going to a game where they don't realise that they're not going to have the same... Like, if Melbourne had done that, they should have driven across like the Nullarbor with a whole bunch of sex dolls and just like planted them on the wing in Western Australia. I mean, there has a fourth foresight
2: of Adelaide Oval to say no inflatable receptacles. Like I didn't even, until I read that sentence, I didn't know like that was a category, but yeah, of course, no inflatable receptacles. I mean, you know what's happened? Someone (laughs) has fucked a doll at the Adelaide Oval before and they've had to go, no inflatable receptacles.
1: We didn't think we'd have to specify this, but you know what? There's been some rule changes. We've had a committee, and they've suggested some rule changes. This is the number one. one: You can't bring a sex doll and have sex with it at the footy. Call us crazy. Uh, now,
2: should we turn our attention to the game at hand?
1: Yeah. So, um, oh, actually, you know uh, what? We, yeah. should talk, we should
2: talk about Brownlow as well before we get to the game at hand. Okay, yes. Uh, best part of the night? Uh,
1: Jack Higgins' speech. Alistair Clarkson falling asleep. Okay, two two best parts of the night. Alistair Clarkson falling asleep during Tom Mitchell's speech and Tom Mitchell seeing it and calling it out, which is like the best bit of it because none of us would really know about it if it wasn't for that. (laughs) Um, And then I think that uh, Jack Higgins' Higgins speech uh, was just, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, the
2: thing about Clarko falling asleep, doesn't that just speak to the level of success that he has achieved in his career? Like, I don't think he's ever coached a Brownlow medalist before. This is his first one. Yet, he's got such a large uh, uh, awards cabinet at home. He just was like, I'm going to have a nod off. I have coached a guy to the peak of his abilities.
1: Time for a kip. Look, I think a lot of people, and I think it's unfair on Tom Mitchell, but I think a lot of people were bored by Tom Mitchell winning. I think maybe just because we knew he was going to kind of win and just the style of the game he plays and the fact that he then just much like the way he plays, he just consistently mowed down the rest of the field. Um, there was an element of n- not excitement. There was that moment where it seemed like Sidebottom might might make a run at him and it, you were suddenly like, oh, this could be a boil over and this would be exciting. But, you know, Tom Mitchell got it done and he deserved it. He was the best player in the game all season, at least in a consistent way. I
2: love that story um, that because Sidebottom was such a, a dark horse. They hadn't prepped because normally they'll take their like 10 favorites or whatever and they'll prepare a little bit of a bio so that when uh, they uh, announce the winner they can sort of talk through their career highlights but they hadn't had one prepped for still side bottom and i'm like we are gonna see a two guys one cup moment here <laughs> like where someone's gonna get up to the mic and have to riff like all right just say you're presenting the the brown low still side bottom wins Without any prep, Mike Hal, can you just bring up Steelside Bottom's Wikipedia page? But Will, I want you to give me Steelside Bottom's stats, games, yeah, okay, achievements. I'll wait,
1: I'll wait until it comes up and then I will try to riff yes. the bio that they would have said on Steelside Bottom. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Is, do you have it? In yeah. Front of I got you? it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh. Steelside Bottom <laughs> is a footballer for the Collingwood Football Club. <laughs>
2: Is this like the kid Uh, who's doing the book report that he hasn't read? (laughs) Just patting it out. The Oxford
1: Dictionary defines uh, steel side bottom.
0: The Oxford Dictionary
1: defines steel as a metal often used in the construction of things. Speaking of things, bottoms are also a thing and they have sides. So... Steelside Bottom has uh, been a champion for the Collingwood Football Club for almost a decade now. Correct. Yeah, um, uh, he caps off a stellar year where he was selected as an All Australian. Correct. Uh, with being the dominant player in this year's final series, uh, leading the Gary currently leading the Gary Medal for best player in the competition, uh, and tonight he joins such Collingwood luminaries as Dane Swan and Dane Swan another time to be the recipient of the Brownlow Medal. Would you say uh, that he's one of the Collingwood co-captains, Will,
2: maybe? I wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> but and, <laughs> and what other years was he in All-Australian? Some. At least another one. He was <laughs> never a novel Australian before this year. Got gotcha. you. Oh. It's a trick. Um,
0: wow. What a uh,
2: great year for him. Could you tell me the year he won the Copeland Trophy for Collingwood? Steel Sidebottom
1: won the Copeland Trophy in 2017.
2: Correct. And he's played how many games? He has played. 214 games. 202. (laughs) Very close. And of course, who could forget his Anzac medal-winning performance in the year? In the year they played the Anzac (laughs) game. (laughs) 2016. (laughs) You would have
1: done pretty well. I I reckon you could have bluffed that. I would have bought that. Yeah, I I like Steel Sidebottom. I'm a a huge fan of him as a a footballer. He is, but he is one of those guys who's been a very... like he's done something that I I don't think you actually see that much anymore. Which is he's been a very good footballer for probably six or seven years, and then has in the last couple of years turned into like you know a handful of you know best players in the game style footballer. I well,
2: think. he's at he's at the age where most players reach their peak, sort of that twenty eight to thirty one kind of. His in I know, zone. but it
1: almost feels like most of the good guys now are a bit better earlier. Like yeah. he always looked like he was just going to be a very good player, and he, and he would have gone through his career being a very good player. But he is much better than that now.
2: Um, uh, did you follow any of uh, Mason Cox's Twitter commentary of the Brownlow? Uh, Coxie, I did. Uh, personal
1: did it- highlights were: um, I'm learning a lot of people's names tonight. <laughs> 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 I thought that was pretty good. Oh, speaking of like uh, two guys, one cup style fuck ups, Angus Brayshaw came third and wasn't there. Didn't yeah. get invited.
2: Yeah, big surprise there. I
1: mean, would you have thought that? They
2: would have had to send up another a- guy in a helmet. I mean, more than Jack, more than Jack Vani, more than Max Gorn. That's uh, yeah. It just really proves it is the midfield midfielders medal. Like God forbid,
1: you're a fucking defender trying to win a Brownlow. And I do think that there is something to be said about his distinctive looking on the field. I think the helmet probably attracts the eye, and he's a hard player. Yeah, and I think he's, you know, I mean, he's, there's a lot to like about him. He's a, he's a super, super player, but, but, but that's, that was the
2: surprise. But that's the, I mean, that's the, I guess Jack Viney was injured for most of the year. But I was going to say, like, that's a team full of hard players, like Cam Oliver, Jack Viney. Like, I mean, he's,
1: you would think that they would be splitting the votes all over the shop. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that he's, no, but it, it feels like that he's even harder because he's got a precious head, Charlie. <laughs> like, he's had to, he has to wear the helmet and he still goes in hard. Look at him. Look at him. He's got a head like an eggshell. Can't remember his own birthday. And yet he's still just whacks in there with his helmet on. Look at him. Three votes. It's funny. I was reading one of uh,
2: the online forums the other day and a disgruntled Saints fan was talking about how the, that NAB Mini Legends ad campaign really bugs him because there are no Saints players in that. And he understands why. Because there's no Saints player distinctive enough that you could make a mini version. And then one guy responded and said... Well, if you got that little fat kid from Hey Dad and put a helmet on him, he'd look just like Paddy McCartan. Ah, <laughs> uh, the
1: little fat kid yeah, no, from they, Hey Dad. They didn't put us a guilt They didn't put us a guild to in because they could not find a child who would agree to do it. <laughs> um, exciting news, Will.
2: Uh, this week, uh, we managed to get two players, uh, to talk about the upcoming grand final. Uh, I believe that you sat down with a regular, uh, contributor to the show, Mark Lacroix. But the exciting news is that I managed to sit down with the big Texan, Mason Cox. Uh, so we
1: should play that interview, interview now.
2: <clears throat>
1: <laughs> should we? Is this what we're doing now? Is this what happens if we do two episodes in a week? This is what we come to. There's two ambassadors. Two ambassadors of their club. This is the fucking drivel we're gonna All right, okay. Texas. Texas. <laughs> so uh Mason, you were excited
2: about playing in your first grand final? Hey dude. <laughs> ah, hey dude. That's uh, that sounds quite California. I thought you were from Texas. Yeah, hey, hey dude. <laughs> So you had a lot to say about the Brownlow. What did you make of the uh, night of nights for Australian football?
0: Why I I sure do look is that any closer? Like, yeah, okay, all right, cool. Um well uh I sure do like a pretty merdle, but uh Ah uh, Wow well, uh, Goddamn uh I thought it was a long night, longer than the state of Texas, where I am from, longer than the long horde steer that I wrestled as a young, youngin'. So, Mason, you put
2: in a best on ground performance, uh, even winning commendation from Damien Hardwick. How did that feel?
0: Oh, great. I had never heard of this game five years ago, and now I'm the best player in it. Everyone sounds like it's really hard, but it's not hard. I'm Mason Cox from Texas. yee
2: Thank you, Mason Cox.
1: Well, What did you think, Will? That was great, eh? Who would have thought we would have <laughs> I mean, get not... the big Texan on the show? I would have liked to hear more of his opinions. I thought the interview was a bit short. That's all I... <laughs> I thought, Charlie. I thought Mason was really warming up once he started firing guns into the air.
2: Yeah, I don't know how he got those into Australia. uh, You know, we famously have very strict gun laws, but I guess we make an exception.
0: You know how I got him in? Because I'm Mason fucking Cox. (laughs) (laughs) Bang, bang! Bang, bang! Well,
2: wow, Mason just burst in the door. That was crazy. (laughs) Oh, no, that was worth Uh. it. I'm so glad we can, Mason could drop by the show.
0: Happy to be involved. I love the media. Bang bang, bang bang. Mason Cox, you being coxed. People can't
2: see this, but Mason Cox is doing the little Yosemite Sam uh, dance when he fires his guns in the air. It's fantastic.
0: I love Yosemite Sam. Because I'm Mason Cox from the U.S. of A. I live here in Australia now and play Australian rules football. Pow, <sighs> pow, 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 pow. All right.
2: All right, Mason. My Thank parents you.
0: have been on every show this week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, So good to have Mason Cox on this show. What insight. Just good. showing the game great is growing all around the, the world. Yeah.
1: No, I thought he was great uh, on uh, Brownland. night. got three votes as well. Big Meso. At one stage, um, so anyway, great, great addition to our game. Glad to have him involved in this show. Thank you, thank him very much. When you see him next, uh, thank him very much for being involved. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's look ahead to
2: the big dance. Um, have your feelings changed at all over the week? Is there any late mail that's got you thinking one way or the other?
1: Ah, oh, I mean. There, there, There is that part of me that worries that Collingwood played their grand final last week and that, you know, we'll get to the day on Saturday and you just watched West Coast last weekend and just thought they're just, they're grown-ups. They are the grown-up team in the competition. They look solid all over the field and Collingwood, you know, can Mason Cox, you know, back up like that, a game like that two weeks in a row when they see it coming, can you know, to Goey get loose again. Can that midfield? Dom- I mean, there's a lot of question marks like their back line, like Colson- Tyson Goldsack, I, I assumed was going to retire from football at the start of this season. Like when he did his injury, I was like, okay, Goldie's been a great player, but he's probably done. And now he has to like play on the three best forwards in the competition. Um, I don't know. Like my head says West Coast, but I, I I think that I want Collingwood to win. I think that Nathan Buckley has just swept me up in the Collingwood adventure this year, and I would like to see them win. It's funny. I just
2: can't. I'm not going to base uh, like the entire uh, uh, philosophy of the show. I'm not basing it anything on on facts or data. I'm just purely going off ah uh, Collingwood's backs against the wall, and it's hard because. Every poll they've done, every media poll has West Coast ahead, but only marginally. Like it's not like it's not a complete whitewash, one-sided grand final. If West Coast were the raging favourites, if the Age hadn't declared that Collingwood would win the grand final, I would say that Collingwood would. I, I would say that Collingwood would win. But I feel like there's uncertainty. I, I'm like you. I feel like West Coast are the better team. But there's something about the emotion of Collingwood. I mean, emotion has won it the
1: last two years, hasn't it? Do you think that in the next couple of days Nathan Buckley is going to have to construct some sort of backs against the wall scenario? Yes. Do you think that you know? I mean, obviously last week that you're t- you're going in against the you know the reigning premiers, the best team in the competition, haven't lost a game at the MCG in 22 games. That is classic back. Like, you can't replicate that the second week. The backs can't be against the same wall as they were. Do you artificially create a backs against the wall scenario just to engineer it, or can you not fake that?
2: Well, what could you do? Because it has to be something that is psychologically going to put your backs against the wall, but isn't going to disadvantage your team. So you don't hobble Scott
1: Perendelbury or Steel Sidebottom or something like that. But what if you hobbled Mason Cox? What if the greatest sacrifice of all that Mason Cox could make is, you know, you assume that he's not going to back it up two weeks in a row. So instead you use him as a sacrificial lamb and he throws himself in in front of one of the West Coast cars (laughs) during the grand final parade. (laughs) So one of the West Coast Eagles actually
2: runs over him. It's not big enough. Mason Cox is not, it's not, it's not the stakes aren't high enough. It's got to be, it's got to be more like, how about this? Last Jedi style, oh, <laughs> Nathan yeah. Buckley force ghosts himself <laughs> to the change rooms before the game and then di- and then disappears. And we realize that, you know, uh, Nathan Buckley's in a coma. Like he gives his address via hologram and then disappears. If Nathan Buckley, something was to happen to him, if he couldn't be there to give that... If they had to do it for someone, that would be backs against the wall. If Nathan Buckley, for whatever reason tripped over, fell over, was hospitalized, couldn't be there. But I think he has to be in a coma as well. I don't think he can just be in a wheelchair or something. He's got to be like unable to to give that address. That would be backs against the
1: wall. That would be the ultimate backs against the wall. This season has all been about Buckley. That's their Robert Murphy moment, you know? Yeah. It's the thing that galvanizes the spirit of the club. And of course, if Bucks missed out on that moment, the moment mm. that it's the, that is the ultimate story. That is the ultimate backs against the wall. They could call the movie Bucks Against the Wall. Yeah. So
2: that's what they've got to do. I mean, I don't know how you, 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 you broach that with Bucks. <laughs> Mate, we're going to have to put you into a coma, an induced coma. Are you cool with that? But the thing is, you can't be in an induced coma because if the players catch wind that the club was behind it, it's not Bucks Against the Wall. You know what I mean? It's very yeah. tricky.
1: Oh, no. We're going to have to actually put you in an actual coma. Yeah, Bucks is like, well, you sure we can't induce it? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're literally going to have to engineer a situation where you fall into a coma. We've got a small margin of error. We've had the sports science working on it all year. We're hoping we can do it, but yeah. Eddie's going to run over you in his Lexus. <laughs> well... Do you remember that
2: time Danny Southern, like, choked uh, Peter Sumich uh, until he went unconscious? <laughs> we've got Danny Southern here.
1: <laughs> He's going to choke you unconscious and put you into a coma. <laughs> Ed just appears in Buck's office with Danny Southern. Yeah. We've got to have t- a word. What? Uh, what's all this about? Shh. Shh. Be quiet. Shh. Be quiet. It'll be over soon. Shh. Don't struggle. No, Shh. Shh. <laughs> Gentle, just strokes his beard <laughs> yeah. until his face turns blue. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like I agree with you. I feel like West Coast are the better team, but just who knows? Like, it's been, it's been upsets the last two years. West Coast will have a strong contingent. Like they're used to coming over here. You know, they'll be they'll they'll be in full voice. I don't think it's going to be like playing GWS or anything like that. Like, there will be enough West Coast supporters there for the Eagles not to be too intimidated. And Collingwood
1: don't have Victoria behind them. Like, there is enough deep-set hatred. I think there's some affection for Bucks, like, from other supporters, but there's been none of that sort of jumping on board Richmond or jumping on board the Bulldogs where they're the Victorian team and we can all get behind them. That's not there. So I think West Coast will be well-represented. And... You know well there's the big thing about you know the, the dimensions of Optus Stadium in Perth now are much closer to the MCG, so they're used to playing on a ground that's similar size in a way they weren't with the old ground.
2: Yeah, yeah well do we give out do we give out tips now before we get to to the mailbag or or do we wait till the end of the show? Do we leave people on tender hooks?
1: I think tips, then we do mailbag and then we finish with the uh, Mark Lera interview that I recorded earlier. Okay, no problem. Uh, all right. This is my last luck of the week for the year. I better
2: make it good. I'm saying West Coast, and that's my luck of the week.
1: I am saying Collingwood, and I am saying that Mason Cox. Ends up singing Working Class Man with Jimmy Barnes. And that's my luck of the week.
0: <laughs> pow, pow, I'm Mason Cox.
1: <laughs> he was just here still.
2: All right. Uh, Jordan Raw uh, gets in touch and says, Hey, guys, love the pod. Just a quick story to share. <clears throat> I went to a mate's place today. He's a big Tigers fan. He told me he wanted to show me a new piece of memorabilia he just purchased as a Jack Higgins Goal of the Year commemorative blanket. I told him it looked more like a throw. <laughs> yeah, come on our show and do second-rate material, will you? No, it interferes with our third-rate material. <laughs> uh, Daniel Pierce has got in contact. Uh, not the Daniel Pierce. Uh, he used to play for Frio, who uh, retired after over 250 games. <laughs> and the only reason I know that
1: as this is our second attempt at reading this letter. Uh, will, you had a chainsaw or something going in your backyard? Yeah, I just stopped for a second because I got a phone call uh, from somebody telling me there was a chainsaw murderer in my house. <laughs> so I had to shut the windows. Um, <laughs> uh, Daniel Pierce writes Hey,
2: boys, I've been trying hard to get some insights regarding the laundry arrangements at the Swans. Insider info pending. Anyway, can confirm that players from North Shore Tigers, reigning premiers from the Auckland AFL competition, are responsible for their own socks and shorts. There is a loose roster for washing the the resis and the first jumpers, which more often than not results in some idiot from the midfield forgetting to wash them or forgetting to bring them all on match day. Standard Tigers jumpers for home games with an interesting Jungle Clash jersey for away games. See the attached, modeled by my sons. And it's amazing. So they've got these, um, this is the, uh, what is it, Auckland Tigers? No, North Shore Tigers in uh, New Zealand, AFL League. Their, their jersey, I'll see if I can share this photo with you. Hang on, let me just copy this into Skype. Uh, why can't I do this? Hang on, give me one sec. Forget it. Anyway, I'll just describe it. So the actual, so it's uh, it's the Richmond jumper. So well, it's a sash jumper, but the part that would normally be black is actually tiger print, tiger skin print, with a black sash across it. So it looks more like what you might see Tarzan wearing in one of those old movies than a football jumper.
1: Originally, they were just going to wear that bit of a Tarzan style. That yeah. was the original club design. They had a very flamboyant president who was just like, I've got an idea for next. But it would be really hard. We'll oil you down so people can't tackle you, and you'll just wear this loincloth made out of actual tiger skin. And all the boys are like, actual tiger skin? Is that not? He goes, actual tiger skin, and I'll oil you down personally.
2: Brad Warren gets in contact. He says, so Will says on the podcast that he likes Melbourne now, and they don't score a goal in the first half. If I can make a request, there are a few other things I'd like him to use his powers on. One, maybe he could like world hunger and make it go away. Number two, could he like North Korea? Number three, as an American, I can only hope that Mr. Anderson takes a strongly positive position on Donald Trump. Use your inverted
1: voodoo for good. I, here's the thing. Like, I had actually somebody hit me up on Twitter this week. And I don't normally see these things. I, I, I'm trying not to read any of my notifications or mentions and stuff. But... um. I did see this one. I think it might have been on something to do with the podcast. And basically, this guy had gone out of his way to message me to say, I don't listen to Guys One Cup anymore. But didn't Will Anderson predict pre-season that Collingwood wouldn't make the eight? They were the only team that wouldn't make the eight? Probably. (laughs) Firstly, if you're coming to this podcast for expert information of any kind, you're at the wrong podcast. So maybe he discovered that, why he doesn't listen anymore. He did not elaborate on the reasons. But secondly, like... If you listened, you'd realize that I caught Collingwood fever during the year. Around the time that Nathan Buckley stopped shaving, my heart started growing fonder for the Collingwood Football Club. So you could have come on that journey with me. But don't... I say stupid things all the time. I've written off every team. Like, this is like me claiming that I have some magic thing because I wrote off the Bulldogs, I wrote off Richmond, and I wrote off Melbourne, and they all, like... And then I got on board. What, mate? It doesn't work like that. I don't have any power. I'm not... I can't control my own bladder effectively. I'm certainly not controlling how the AFL works by what I say about it.
2: a Abood gets in contact. Hi, Will and Charlie. Thank you for an excellent, if not at times, incinerate podcast. Incinerate. Is that a misspelling? Hang on. I'm, I'm going to just Google what incinerate...
1: Have you heard that word before? Incinerate? Incinerate? As in like burn to burn? Okay. To there. burn down. There we go.
2: I'm just googling what that means. Exterminate. To, de- to destroy. Like a to destroy by burning. Right. Incinerate. Thank you for an excellent if not at times incinerate podcast. Well,
1: okay. Gosh. I was doing some Google searching to see if... Sometimes it's a podcast I enjoy and sometimes I have to burn my iPhone after listening to it to cleanse myself.
2: I was doing some Google searching to see if I could dig deeper into Sockgate. I love it. We have created a society of independent amateur sleuths digging deeper into Sockgate. I found this video from Frio. Uh, now, it's a link to the Freo website, and it's called Main Tip, Packing Your Footy Bag. Chris Main runs us through what he packs in his footy bag. Now, we don't have to watch it, because uh, Quartz has given us a little summation. She says, in it, Chris Main explains in small detail about what he packs in his bag. A mouth guard, a pair of boots, skins for his underfooty shorts, and a spare pair of socks. Also, the club gives him a new bag each year. This is from 2013, so perhaps the sock system has
1: changed. Thanks for the laugh and for some footy facts. Um, I'd like to know if Chris Main's bag has changed. I think that would be a really good sample. If we could get the Chris Main now and draw a parallel between what's in his bag. Like, is he coming to the games with less things in his bag than he previously did? or more things in his bag? Do Collingwood provide more things, that therefore he has more things? Or do they do more things for their players than Fremantle might have, and thus he's got a lighter bag, and metaphorically he's carrying a lighter load, much like the team themselves have had a load off their you know, mind this season? It is something that we haven't discussed before, but possibly the most unexpected sentence you will
2: hear come the end of Saturday. Chris Main, Premiership
1: player. I mean... Chris Mayne, Collingwood player. Like this time last year, like all the discussion, the only person who thought that Chris Mayne could still play football was Chris Mayne's dad. Even Chris Mayne was unconvinced by Chris Mayne. Like he had one ally left. Like I admire his dad so much for that because when everybody is against your kid, his dad was just like, time for dad to weigh into this debate. I'm going to give my opinions. You know, actually, we didn't talk about it
2: in our last episode, the Richmondy dissection, but that is another Richmondy element, is they played Chris Main into form. He had an outstanding game. He was, like, selling candy sidesteps, like, you know, over 80% kicking efficiency. Like, that is a bit of a Richmondy element we didn't touch on.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. That Chris Maine <laughs> had his best game alongside Mason Cox.
2: <laughs> oh, never gets tired. Uh, Anthony Jornet gets in contact and says, Charlie and Will, you were right on the money with your Trent Kotcher new haircut speculation. Trent has upped his game and is now visiting King's Domain Barbers in Pran for his trim. The cost of his cut? Exactly $55. <laughs> you said
1: 50 You speculated it was a $50 haircut. You were five bucks off. Um, I I'm said actually- it was $50 plus. That's what it reeked off to me uh these put a link in from
2: the instagram page for king's domain and uh, dusty has also get, gets his haircut there i've actually got my hair cut at that place before it's very good uh, i think i paid 55 dollars for my haircut <laughs> and then i lost a preliminary final it was very strange straight afterwards <laughs> plot twist there's a follow-up plot twist Collingwood's Jaden Stevenson and Brandon Maynard chopped in for a fresh look after their prelim final win. Will this shift the cotch and curse onto the pies to the grand final? Could the AFL players' haircuts be the key to the return of the collywobbles? Only time will tell. Fuck, man. I can't believe that Stevenson and Maynard would do that. Like, clearly, that was one of the key factors in Richmond losing and they've just gone to the same bloody, the same bloody
1: hex-giving barber. Nah, I disagree. I absolutely disagree. I, I think this is a sign of confidence. Right. That they weren't put off. I think Richmond went early. I think there's two problems with what happened to Trent Cotchen. I have no problem with Dusty Martin getting a Friday night haircut. Right? No problem. Because that's already his form. You expect him to get out there with his hair done in that distinctive Dusty Martin style. There's got to be some maintenance on Dusty Martin's do, right? It looks casual, but it always looks pretty much the same, which means there's a reasonable amount of maintenance going on with Dusty Martin's haircut, right? Yeah. However, Trent Cotchin has never spent any time on yeah. his haircut. Like, for his entire playing career, his haircut is not something that he's ever had to think about. And if he goes three weeks or four weeks, like when he's booking an appointment and they say, three or four weeks he goes yeah three or four it doesn't matter right yeah like it's going to be kind of the same regardless yeah and then he goes in and gets himself a showbiz haircut that's a grand final haircut because you've got no other time but the grand final if you're not going to show off your best haircut on grand final day when the world's watching when are you saving your haircut for mad monday no thank you you get your haircut in the lead up to the grand final Absolutely happy with that. That is appropriate Grand Final Week behavior. You drive a car through the city, you wave at some people, you get a fancy haircut. It's Grand Final Week. Welcome. Daniel Ashby got in contact. All right, can I just say, that I do have a theory on hair in the Grand Final though. Okay. And how it might, how Collingwood might get an ascendancy over West Coast Eagles. Let's hear it. West Coast Eagles don't really have any players who fit your traditional we look like West Coast Eagles players' mold. I think that's the one thing. If there's a missing ingredient from this team, it is that traditional, you know, West Coast curly hair, you know, that their supporters so. Cor- Chris yeah. Mayne has that. Collingwood yeah. have the most West Coast y looking player on the field, and he's playing for the opposition. And I feel like that has the capacity to get inside their heads. They might just like, Chris Mayne might win the Norm Smith medal. Yeah. Because I think the West Coast will be so intimidated by his traditional West Coast look that. They just won't be able to touch him. But the one factor you are not taking into account is that West Coast have a Rioli. Oh, yeah. It's true. <laughs> well, I mean, this is one of the things that has come up in this podcast in jest, Charlie. But our equalization policy of every team gets a Rioli is becoming... I think if you go into Gold Coast and Carlton and said, here's the two choices we have on the table. Yeah. Uh, you can get a player from the... Well, you can get two extra players for your list from a straight league or we'll get you a Rioli. <laughs> We're not sure which one, but we'll we will go, we'll find another Rioli and you can have a Rioli. I bet you that Carlton, and especially the Gold Coast, Gold Coast definitely go for the Rioli. Yeah. Carlton would have a discussion around it. But like, I think they'd both go for a Rioli. A I random would, Rioli. I think the AFL should
2: just like, like Jurassic Park, just trap that Rioli DNA in amber and then just start a cloning program where it's just an island full of Riolis where you go there as like the recruit, head of recruiting for your club. You fly in on a chopper to that island, and you yeah. go. And when the plane lands, there's just riolis everywhere, kicking fucking riolis che- park, check sides, taking hangers, just running everywhere. And you can just like take as many riolis as you want, whatever you can afford. But
1: like Jurassic Park, yeah, it, it, you very much. They they're all dinosaurs, but they uh, all have different shapes and sizes and yes. capabilities. Yes. like the actual riolis. You're like, yeah. oh, that's a Daniel. Yeah, that's a Cyril. Oh, yeah. let's go and watch the Cyrils. I'll have like two, I'll day I'll day have like two Morrises, please. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, Daniel Ashby, sock gate, exclamation mark. I spoke to a current AFL player whose dog plays with mine. <laughs> I mean, I love that. <laughs> of, all the, of all the kind of inside runnings, the dog park. When I brought up socks and sock gate, he ran. How? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> how? How
1: did you bring it up?
2: He doesn't say. When I what's, brought your, up... what's
1: your dog's name? Socks. Speaking of socks, anyway.
2: <laughs> when I brought up socks and sock gate, uh, uh, when I brought up socks and sock gates, it dawned on him that he shared socks. It was pri right. When I brought up socks and sock gates, and when it dawned on him that he shared socks, it was priceless. Anyway, at Carlton they have specific. Oh, yes, I can Carlton play. At Carlton they have specific game day socks which are washed and handed out to the players. However. The training and VFL socks are the player's responsibility. That makes sense. You don't need to concentrate on the big game, but if you're in the twos or if you're if you're at training, you can take care of your own socks. But when he played at Port Adelaide, oh, we could figure out who this is. Who plays for Carlton now that used to play for Port Adelaide and has a dog? <laughs> we'll solve it. With Google, we'll solve this in like five minutes. But when he played at Port Adelaide, he could get very he could get fresh socks for every game from the property steward. Oh wow. So Port Adelaide, they've got a bit of the Usher philosophy going, where it's new socks every game. He then told a story about playing in a final where he had new socks on and they felt weird. Just before running through the banner, he had to take one sock off and put on an old one. He then played the rest of the final series with one new and one old sock. He was very concerned that he had shared socks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's just normal so he never he's never really thought about it before yeah um i love that this opens up a whole new thing the idea of wearing one old sock and one new sock as a, like a sock superstition <laughs> during the finals is fantastic um i what, what happens if you're playing in the vfl and in the ones like in and out that's like a then a complicated so you got your vfl socks you have to look after yeah. yourself yeah so then do you, are you running two sets Yes. And is that how they break it to boys that are going to go down to the VFL for a spell? Is they come in with a set of socks? Yeah. And they're just like, Charlie, could you come to my room for a minute? Um, (laughs) Mate, uh, look, you know, we all know that your form probably hasn't been up to what we've expected. Like, we still have a lot of faith in you here at the club, but uh, just for now, I'm going to have to get you to uh, maintain these socks. Oh, God, that's a relief. (sighs) For a
2: second, I thought you were going to tell me Danny Southern was waiting for me. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: oh he's just telling me i'm in the twos i thought i was gonna to have to go into a coma to inspire my team to a victory um i think it depends if you're like for instance in kilda's twos of the sandringham dragons completely different socks so i think you're oh, talking yeah, right. from the bulldogs essendon perspective collingwood perspective where they'd be the same socks so easy to keep them separate when the when the uh, affiliate team doesn't have the same colors
1: but in the process of them being handed out, are you only handed your Sandringham socks? Like, are they bothering giving Jack Stevens mm-hmm. a, um, a pair of Sandringham socks at the start of the season? Does everyone get like a pair of Sandringham socks or do only people who are on the cusp get Sandringham socks? Only the people on the cusp. I'd say when you so is that how you know that you're a on the cusp player because you have an extra set of socks. I'd say but if, doesn't that then create a hierarchy between the non Sandy socks people and the Sandy socks? No, I'd say what happens is that so round
2: one, if you're fronting up, that's when you get your socks. Like before round one, you get your socks. So if you're playing in the twos or the ones, and then if you're going if you're getting demoted, if you're going from the first to the Sandra hand, you wouldn't get your socks until game day. They're not going to give you a pair of socks to fucking wear in before game day. Like, you turn up and you okay,
1: get... Okay, so, so if you get dropped, you're being given a pair of Sandringham Ham socks at the same time, is what I'm saying.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's a bit dramatic. I think maybe just front up to the change rooms on game day and you'll get your socks. You don't... Richo doesn't have to call you in his office and, like, he just opens his drawer and hands you a
1: pair of socks. Well, that's what I'm imagining. It is some sort of process like that where you get your little Sandringham starter packed because I guess you've got to, like, learn, you know, you've got to get... Well, I mean, so Sandringham, you reckon, have some new socks. So if you're a Sandringham player who forgets his socks he's meant to be maintaining, you could still access some fresh socks on the day.
2: Yeah. And, like, you know, when a player is playing for Sandringham for the first time mid-season, like, you know, there'll be an instance in which you know, a Jack Stephen or someone who was like a regular first player would get dropped and they wouldn't have the socks. So they just front up on the day and get their
1: socks. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But then do they then like, if you're like then Jack Stephen, who's played like one game in the reserves, you've played one game at Sandy and you have some Sandy socks. Yeah. What do you do with them? Do they just go in a drawer at home? Or do you like throw them in a bin once you're back in the first and go, I'll never (laughs) need these again.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You incinerate them like you incinerate this podcast <laughs> once you're done listening to it. Jen Tuckwell, our last bit of correspondence of the year, our last whisper, not from the West, just from in general, our whisper in general, our general <laughs> gibberish. Morning, Will and Charlie. I've been an emotional wreck all weekend and waking up to your surprise pot on Monday was, a tor- was torturous to say the least. I'm a diehard Richmond fan who after finishing work at 2.30pm on Friday afternoon, drove from country Victoria across the border to South Australia to get a plane back to Melbourne to arrive at the G just in time for the first bounce. To rub salt into the wound, our seats were just behind the Collingwood cheer squad. Yep, Richmondy is back. (laughs) I've been a listener of the pod for years and I have to say that midway through the season, I was struggling. You both seemed so down. I likened it to that scene in the film The Beach, where one of the European backpackers is mauled by a shark and the rest of the group make a decision to move him away from the camp so they can continue to party without hearing the (laughs) groans of the dying man. That's how I felt listening to the pod. I love you both, but all I wanted to do was celebrate and listen to everyone in the media sprout on about how amazing the tigers were. Well... It seems you have had the last laugh and my Richmondy heart is broken once more. Eagles pies, I don't care. I'm just hoping that Lecrae retires at the end of the season so Charlie stops that god awful French accent. Go the Tigers in twenty nineteen, Jen. Got some bad news well, for you, Jen.
1: <laughs> the bad news is I talked to the actual Mark Lecrae and I asked him about your accent, among other things. Do you want to play that interview now before we go? Should we what do we else do we need to do? No, no, we can go to the interview and then we can wrap up and, and, and plug the okay. live show. Okay, all right. Okay, good. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, this is Will from uh, Two Guys One Cover and AFL podcast, and I'm uh, very excited to be joined today by Mark Lacra. Mark, thanks for joining me. It is my pleasure, Will. It is good to
3: see you on this week, the greatest week of all, grand final week. <laughs>
1: Uh, Mark, uh, I work with a guy called Charlie Clausen on a podcast called. I know Clawson. him. Com. He's a fantastic actor.
3: *Woman Away*, a *Wolf Creek*, uh, *McLeod's Daughters*. I'm a big fan of his work. He's very handsome too. Very handsome and dashing.
1: <laughs> Mark, I didn't realise you were such a, a fan of Australian uh, television. I uh, watch
3: all the Australian
1: shows. Sons and Daughters,
3: Neighbours, Rush, Above the Law. That was my
1: favorite. It got canceled after one season. I was very disappointed. Uh, Can I ask you this, Mark? Are there any French uh, shows that you are a fan of? Uh, Yes. There are tons of them.
3: There is one called uh, The Gruen Transfer. It stars uh, France's number one comedian. His name is Bill Flanderson. <laughs> it's not a very French name, but it was <laughs> the best no, no, I could think
2: expensive. of at short notice. <laughs> um,
1: obviously, grand final week, uh, big, yes. uh, big week. Can I ask, start with injuries? Um, uh, Jerry, M- Jerry, Jerry, Maguire, Jerry McGuire, Jerry, Jeremy McLovin, uh, Jeremy M- McGovern, Jeremy McGovern. It's very hard to say, uh, but also. Uh, injury cloud over mcgovern will he be fit to play on the weekend it will be fine is what i say to anyone who doubts
3: jeremy's a giant fridge mcgovern the man is made of 98 percent pudding and that he is hard to get injured because the guy has no bones he has no uh hang on sorry the music is i've shifted let me just uh god damn it let's just ah that's better sorry I tell this guy, hey, you asshole, don't mess my music up again. Continue to <laughs> play the accordion. I'm doing an interview with Will Anderson, who looks surprisingly like uh, Bill Flanderson from my favorite show on French TV, they go and transfer. Sorry, Jerry McGovern. he will be fine for this weekend. I do not have time for people to doubt the West Coast Eagles.
1: We are a team who fly as one. Uh, can I ask you this, Mark, then, uh, speaking of flying as one, uh, (laughs) is everything okay, Will? It sounds like an alarm is going off. It did, it did sound like that. It sounded like somebody was using a leaf blower and then an alarm went off. (laughs) Almost like someone was trying to sabotage this interview that was already being sabotaged by an accordion player. It is probably
3: that Nathan Buckley, that bastard, (laughs) I spit in his face. When I hold the Premiership cup up high, I will dedicate this to the greatest French icons of all time. Victor Hugo, Marie Curie,
1: and Pepe Lapeau. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Can I ask you this, Mark? Um, Yes, you can. uh, Who would be your Norm Smith medal tip? Well, it would be me,
3: Mark Leddozen. I plan to kick at least 12 goals on the weekend. I share them with my best friend, JJK. Maybe I'll give Jack Darling a kick or two. And of course, we have a Rioli. And as you know,
1: everyone should have arioli. Rioli. Mark Lecra, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck on the weekend. Au revoir, my friend. I shall
3: see you after the final siren. Until that Charlie Clawson, he is a very handsome man.
2: <laughs> wow well that was a great interview um it's like open mic wasn't it you've got to time your recordings better because we're recording now and there's a chainsaw going off and you did that interview with mark lacroix there's a leaf
1: blower going off you've just got the worst luck when it comes to to interviews people are getting work done it's uh, you know there's a lot of construction going on in the big city charlie yeah. people building dreams <laughs> all right the uh, last thing we need to talk about
2: is our live show. I believe there are there is a Mark lacra dozen tickets left. Mark La Dozen tickets. Um so pretty much sold out.
1: Um if you're on the fence, you should come along because it's probably gonna be the last time you hear us this year. Yeah, it's one of those things where um yeah, as we said, when we're recording this 12 tickets, so uh it might be all sold out by the time people hear this. But if it is not, um yeah, come along. It's 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 always such a fun day. Um it's become a Real tradition now, and uh, what three years, but you know, that's like a Hawthorne dynasty. Yeah, exactly. Pretty good. Three years back to back to back.
2: Uh, Scott Dooley is flying in from New York. Uh, He's flying in, I would like to say, just for our show, but he is a mad Collingwood supporter. He's coming back for the game, and he will be our special guest on the Sunday. So we've had a pretty good run with our guests in the last two years. Like, well, we didn't have a guest in the first year, but we had you and the Bulldogs won. Then last year we had Richard Di Natale, and the Tigers got up. So this could be uh, keeping the streak alive, or it could be the first guest we have on that we get to make fun
1: of for half an hour. And I think Duels will be good with either result. Yeah. I mean, not good with it personally, but I feel like it will be equally entertaining. Both of those options, duels will be a good Collingwood fan to have if they win, because he'll be excited, but he won't be like, you know, just someone that we can't stand, you know, being in the same room as. Mm. I I went through a list of other Collingwood fans who did not fit that description. (laughs) (laughs) And then he'll also, if they lose, I think he'll bring the appropriate Uh, level of regret. And there is a chance also that on Saturday night, I know he's mates with Dane Swan, so there's a chance that he and Dane Swan will have been out all night, and regardless of what happens on the Saturday, I want to hear what happens on the Saturday Uh, night.
2: Yeah, well, at least we'll get to hear about that. Whether or not we can talk about it on stage (laughs) will be another thing.
1: Oh, no, I wasn't suggesting talking about it on stage. I'm just glad we'll get to catch up with him and hear what (laughs) (laughs) happened. Oh, geez, okay. So I guess this is it. I was going to plug all
2: our, our social medias, but I guess there's no reason to because... Who gives a shit?
1: <laughs> we'll be back at some stage. We'll do we'll some rough stuff. Or I mean, something I think else. so.
2: I think so. Look, it probably it's not going to be a weekly thing, but we're going to try and do some stuff in the off season just to keep it ticking over.
1: Um, but and if Nathan Buckley suspiciously falls into a coma in the next twenty four hours, we will do an emergency podcast about it.
2: Yeah. If you find, if Danny Southern flees the country,
1: you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Gillian McLaughlin makes a call to Peter Dutton to get a visa for Danny Southern <laughs> and a new identity. <laughs>
0: Uh Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.